Well, good morning, everybody, here on a chilly November 9th morning on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm TJ Matthewson. I'll be with you here for this first segment on the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren will be along later uh, in this first hour. He had some responsibilities to take care of on campus. John, of course, will be calling the Oregon State men's basketball game later tonight on our airwaves. Coverage starts at 7 o'clock. Oregon State and Portland State, Oregon State, 15-0 all-time versus Portland State. They're favored by about 10 points tonight. So we'll get into more of that with John when he gets back in this first hour. Uh, later on in this first hour, still no Mike Parker. He might join us a little bit later, uh, depending on schedules and such to work out. Um, but regardless, still no full-time Mike Parker back on the Joe Beaver Show. So TJ Matthewson with you here in this first segment. So we missed yesterday, right? It was uh, in, uh, probably an important episode yesterday. Uh, we got to hear from Jonathan Smith uh, for his Sunday decision to fire Oregon State defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar, Uh yesterday. I'll actually just let Jonathan tell you himself here on this clip on his opening statement on Tim Tibisar yesterday. No, I didn't play. Now it'll play. Uh, a couple things to start. One, uh, kind of addressing the decision uh, I, made, I made yesterday, kind of after watching the season progress over nine games, it just reached a point that I believed uh, a change was needed uh, in our leadership on the defensive side. I got a bunch of respect for Tim Tibisar as a coach and as a person. Just unfortunate that we just we're not seeing the improvement needed to for us to achieve the goals we want in this football team in this in this season. Uh, I have great confidence in Coach Bray and really that defensive staff, um, and I believe this decision will provide a new energy, uh, a spark to our defense that I believe is needed. Uh, making personnel changes is not easy, uh, and it's something I don't take lightly. But ultimately, uh, I believe this is the right decision for, for our football team at this time. So that was Jonathan Smith on ultimately his first major coaching change as head coach at Oregon State University. Major, I mean, offense, def- defensive coordinator, I consider as major. We, of course, I host the Thai Express postgame call-in show, so when... As you listeners know, when the the defense had another subpar performance against the Colorado Buffaloes on Saturday night, there there was still many voice frustrations about this defense. And you know, Colorado, if we look at the overall numbers against the Colorado Buffaloes, they, it, if we look at total yardage, they held Colorado under 400 total yards, which, for what we've seen from this defense this year, would be a, a respectable amount, but it, 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 if we dive in and look deeper, I mean, Colorado ran for over 220 yards uh, against Oregon state and made, made plays when they needed to Oregon state hasn't forced a turnover since that Washington state loss. That's how long it has been. You know, Tibisar mentioned just last week while preparing for this game. Hey, part of our course for getting back on track is going to be, forcing more turnovers, but they haven't gotten any. They didn't get any against Colorado. And there was a big reason why they can't get off the field on third down. 
you know, it helps when you get a turnover on first or second down. You don't even have to face a third down. And we, I'm sure Jonathan has been thinking about this for a little bit now. I mean, he, he didn't, we'll, we'll go through more of the clips of his press conference later on in this first hour, maybe in the second hour, again, depending on schedules. If you're just tuning in TJ Matthewson with you here in studio, it was supposed to be me and John today. John will had some responsibilities on campus. He will be back later in this first hour. So for now, just me here in studio, no Mike Parker still. Uh, back here. He's still recovering from his bout with COVID-19 at home. He could join us later, depending on scheduling and such. Uh, more of what we'll just go over today. Jonathan Smith, Tim Tibisar, the coordinator change. And I guess a question I can ask to the University Honda text line, downward dog phone line, which the phone line, uh, we'll save that for, I guess, next segment when I have time to pick up the phone. But for now, University Honda text line is open. So I guess a question I would like to propose to the text line and those listening. I mean, what do you want to see in the next defensive coordinator? Jonathan didn't really give us an answer yesterday. I'm sure he has an idea, but hasn't really thought it out uh, as as in-depth as he would want to uh, on hiring a defensive coordinator because you want to make sure you get it right. You, you want to make sure you, you don't have to fire a guy again. I mean, in most jobs, you either quit or get fired. I mean, it, it does happen. But as a head coach, you would rather not have to make that decision. And what Jonathan, I'm sure, would prefer is that his next coordinator does such a good job that, A, he stays as long as he would want, or he goes off and gets you know a better job, which means Jonathan did the right thing and made the right hire. And that's what, uh, and that's what happened. But anyways, for the University Honda text line, let me know what you want to see in the next defensive coordinator because that that was the the messages you know trickling around social media this week, and you know what is expected uh, of you know uh, of what Jonathan Smith would want. You know he he's uh, when I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, a lot of people like to use this example. Alex Grinch at Washington State, when he was there, he's now at Oklahoma. I think maybe that's the mold you want to go after. I know that's like a really cliche, popular, trendy pick. But, you know, smaller, small school up at Washington State, I'd say similar recruiting geographics to here. And he was really able to make the most of that Cougars defense, despite not having that quote-unquote star power on his defense. He's really able to, you know, scheme up some great defense with the the units he had available. And he did, and he earned himself the defensive coordinator job now at Oklahoma. I'm not big into coaching carousels, I guess. I'm, I'm not, I don't focus that much on it. I mean, whispers here and, and there. I mean, I'm just, I'm not on top of that. I just want to see who you hire. Right. So if you're going to ask me who I think, I don't have a specific name for you of of who they should hire as a defensive coordinator. But if I'm thinking of a mold that they could go after, I think that would be great. So that's something Jonathan's going to evaluate over the course of this season and in the offseason. Trent Bray, inside linebackers coach, will take over on an interim basis. And I'm sure his name will be in the mix as well if he does a great job then he'll be in the consideration 
I mean, it's Bray, the one who's coaching Avery Roberts, Omar Spates, arguably the strongest group on that defense. So if he shows out and shows that he he can call a creative defense, and Jonathan did say he's looking forward to to Bray putting his own stamp on this defense, put his his personality in the defensive play calling, he said yesterday. And if that turns out well, then why not? And, he, and it's a great it's a great stretch to quote unquote prove it. Jeff Texan on the University Hana text line. Coach Tibbs was a nice person. However, the ineffectiveness of the third down defense was inexcusable, especially on third down and long. Uh, and a five four one Texan aggressive attacking style make the offense react. So I, I believe those are the, especially the aggressive attacking style. I think that is what Alex Grinch did. I remember he used a lot of, um, he liked to do the, the, the shifting of the defensive line where they'd have the four defensive linemen lined up. And then about half a second before the snap, he would have them all sh- shift to the left or the right. I don't know the technical football term of that, but just one of those little things where you can sort of manipulate the offense into playing right into your hand. So just something like that. But yeah, aggressive attacking style. And especially when you, like Oregon State has this season, struggled to get pressure with four guys, you are going to need a little little bit more aggressive defense, maybe to force turnovers, or you're going to have to send more guys on blitzes to, to get pressure on the quarterback. Because if you just rush four guys and you get no pressure on the quarterback then what it it honestly doesn't matter as many guys as you drop into coverage because if a if a quarterback is sitting back there for 5 seconds someone is going to be open eventually and he's going to find him so sometimes you might just have to be aggressive so yeah that that's along what i was thinking of uh on the for a defensive style uh texer texan i believe is called stemming when the defensive line shifts yeah i was thinking stemming or slanting i think one of those two I, they both sound correct uh, for for what Grinch did. Uh, another texter text in would like to see a more aggressive approach with the next defensive coordinator. We always see, seem to be playing bend, but don't break. But we're breaking anyways. So might as well take some risks uh, and bring more pressure to create negative plays and turnovers. Adam and Albany. Thank you for that, Adam. So when I first got, of course, I went to school at Arizona State uh, and Todd Graham was the coach there when I arrived and that was the exact same, that was the exact style of defense he played. And I, you know, it, it has its pluses and minuses because that Todd Graham defense gave up a lot of big plays. It really did. They were very, very aggressive. They blitzed a lot. They played single man coverage outside and they would sometimes just get embarrassed because uh, there, there was a blown assignment or, they just sent too many guys at the quarterback and there's someone running wide open. But what it did do, it forced a lot of turnovers, a lot of interceptions, a lot of sacks. I, I don't have the stat up in front of me and Todd Graham's been out of the Pac-12 now for f- four years. So this the stat couldn't hold. But at the time, ASU was always at the top of, you know, tackles for loss, interceptions, uh, negative plays. And I think that could work here. Again, like, just rushing four guys and playing base defense as we've, you know, sort of seen 
it's ineffective when your four down rushers aren't getting to the quarterback. Again, if you're joining us late, TJ Matthewson with you here on the Joe Beaver Show, a chilly but sunny Tuesday, November 9th morning in our Albany studios. John Warren will be in here later. He had some chores to go take care of on campus. Uh, of course, John, of course, will be calling the men's basketball game tonight right here on our airwaves on the Beaver Sports Network. Portland State and Oregon State. Oregon State favored by, I believe, 10 when I was looking at the Vegas odds earlier. Portland State has never beaten Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State 15-0 all time. So that'll be a good matchup later on tonight. Uh, 7.30 tip. Our coverage starts at 7 here on 1240 Joe Radio. And the question I proposed to the University Honda text line, what do you want to see in a new defensive coordinator now that Tim Tibisar is out? I don't know the different philosophies of, of Trent Bray because, again, what Jonathan said, he wants Bray to put his own stamp on the defense. They're not going to make any drastic changes, but they are going to, you know, some, some things are going to change because what Tibisar was doing what wasn't working for Jonathan Smith and for a coach to make his first major firing in year four. I don't even know what that says about the coach. I mean, John, we know Jonathan is patient and even kneeled, so to say, but he had to make this decision. He's, he's always evaluating and that's the decision he ended up making. John Canzano wrote a, an article this week. I don't remember which day he wrote it, uh, but it was about what does Oregon State look for in their next defensive coordinator? So he reached out to Nick Aliotti, who I believe works for the Pac-12 Network, uh, former Oregon defensive coordinator, on who he thought would be uh, a good fit for Oregon State uh, as a defensive coordinator, and I, I thought it was very interesting of what he had to say. So he said, great communicator, obviously, great teacher, great energy, someone with experience. I'd rather get a guy from a smaller school that has experience and has done well as a coordinator, as more of an underdog or someone who has proven he can coach, maybe a coordinator who is out of a job. So I thought that was good. And then Canzano suggests, why not hire Aliotti? Which he says wouldn't be obviously a long-term solution. Because Aliotti, I believe, is in his 60s. But Aliotti has proven he can coach in the Pac-12 for um, as a defensive coordinator, facing spread offenses and having the defense be out on the field for a while. I thought that was interesting. I didn't dive too deep into that, but just a name Canzano threw out there. And Aliotti lives, still lives in the state of Oregon, too. So that I thought that was interesting. And if we're looking at small school, I just, you know, I'm not well-versed in coordinators. Of course, I I mentioned I'm just not into the whole coaching carousel thing. It's a little too complicated for me. But just looking at, I I, I pull up the top defenses in yards per play this year, and I look at small schools, and I look at West Coast, and two stand out immediately. San Diego State, who's ranked, uh, they have the third-best defense in yards per play. Uh, West Coast, of course. Something Jonathan can look into because they have a very good defense down there under Brady Hoke, former Michigan head coach. Uh, and then Colorado State as well is also in the top 10 in yards per play. So, I, again, this is just keeping it within the geographical footprint of 
the West Coast and what you want to look for in a new defensive coordinator. Uh, some texts coming in on the University Honda text line. Um, let's see, new ones. Uh, a scheme that doesn't have to be leave linebackers so exposed in coverage, maybe switch back to a 4-3 defense with outside backers being smaller and more athletic. That could make sense. And maybe have, yeah, that, that would make sense. And maybe roll out and maybe a dime package more often. Um, yeah, that, that would make sense. Uh, Curtis Texan, I agree with the fire. We cannot give up third down and forever on every single game. So like we asked Tibbs, like what, what is the, what's the key to getting off the field on third down said, well, we have to win first and second down. Well, it seems like even when they were winning first and second down, it didn't seem to matter on third down, they would convert. And again, I think a lot of it stems back to not being able to rush the passer. I think a lot of things on defense are fixed when you can rush the passer with four guys. And Oregon State hasn't been able to do that, so they've had to be maybe a little more aggressive when they needed to, and that leaves guys open in coverage one-on-one, especially like the texter mentioned, with linebackers one-on-one in coverage with a wide receiver. That's just not going to cut it. TJ Matthewson with you here on the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren will be joining us later this first hour, and we'll, we'll take you the rest of the way home on this Joe Beaver Show. He had some duties to take care of on campus for the men's basketball game later tonight. We'll have it for you on 1240 Joe Radio at 7 o'clock. Our coverage starts. Uh, Tip-off is at 7.30. Uh, the downward dog phone line is open because we're about to take a break. 541-497-5356. Downward dog phone line. University Honda text line. We're going to take a break. When we come back, call in or text in. What do you want to see in the next Oregon State defensive coordinator? Do you have names? Do you have an idea? Do you have a style you want to see? Let me know on the Joe Beaver Show. And we'll be right back after this break here on 1240 Joe Radio. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project, now's the time to get it done. And Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff, Wendy, Robin, and Brian, have years of combined experience and look forward to working with you. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. Or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. This is Beaver Football. I'm Randy Holmes, owner of the Angry Beaver Grill, where we're bringing the tailgate atmosphere for OSU football game day. Going to the game, Angry Beaver will be offering a shuttle service to and from the stadium. Every Tuesday, check out our What Do You Know trivia. Try our extended menu with new items such as chili cheese fries and loaded tachos. And don't miss our daily specials offered Tuesday through Friday. Angry Beaver Grill will be open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday. And at 3 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, thank you for supporting the Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. And remember, go Beavs. The Winter Golf Membership Special is going on now at Spring Hill Golf Club. Sign up for a winter membership and golf for free in November, December, and January. Spring Hill Golf Club is even waiving the initiation fees to all golf membership categories with a 12-month commitment. New winter members won't pay dues until February 2022. Get the golfers in your family a great gift this holiday season, one that lasts all year. Don't miss your opportunity at Free Golf Now through January. Call for more information or visit albany-golf.com. 
Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the holiday season is a special time with special meaning. That's why during these unprecedented times, Stargazer is providing contactless deliveries with a focus on keeping families and friends connected and safe during the holidays. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, gift baskets, and houseplants. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard, Corvallis. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Head coach Jonathan Smith has his alma mater trending up. The Beavers block the punt. It's on the field. Picked up. Heading toward the end zone. And in. Touchdown, Beavers. I think it's Luke Musgrave. Join us Saturday. The Beavers host the Stanford Cardinal. Our coverage begins at 1230 on your home for Oregon State football. The Beavers Sports Network. Our coverage starts at 1030 with the tailgate show here on 1240 Joe Radio. The home of the Oregon State Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Here on the Joe Beaver Show, TJ Matthewson with you in studio. John Warren called me during the break. He'll be back in about 10 minutes. Uh, Until then, we have Dave from Tumwater on the line. We'll go to him in a second. But the question I did propose to the University Honda text line and the Downward Dog phone line, what do you want to see in the next Oregon State defensive coordinator? I have a feeling Dave might have an idea as Dave from Tumwater joins us on the Joe Beaver Show. Dave, good morning. Uh, good morning, TJ. Uh, thanks uh, for taking my call. Uh, I, I don't, like you, I don't uh, have a particular prescription uh, for what uh, we need to see in the in the new defensive coordinator. What I do, I mean, I know, well, speaking for myself, I never like to see anyone lose their job. But sometimes, for the greater cause, you like seeing uh, a head coach demand some accountability so that the program does better. And just to set the record straight, TJ, I know this is not your beef or brief, but but contrary to legend on the Joe Beaver show, all I ever criticized about Coach Riley was the refusal to do exactly what Coach Smith has just done which is show a greater commitment to the needs of the program than maybe to the individuals who are working in in a subordinate position on the coaching staff. So in that respect, at least, not to put too sharp a point on it, Coach Smith has already exceeded the level of accomplishment uh, that that we saw with Coach Riley. We don't need to go into all the defensive statistics, uh, TJ, that have been been, uh, amply amplified. Uh, on, by yourself and, and, and another media. But there's one statistic, it seems to me, that gets right to the heart of this, and, of this situation, and that is that if Oregon State doesn't have a winning season this year, that will be nine consecutive losing seasons, which, and now I do wish to make a point with emphasis, that is one-third of the way towards the 28-year consecutive losing streak that we thought we had put behind Oregon State in an inst- on an institutional basis. So it's an urgent situation uh, that the program 
uh, as I said before, five wins is an improvement over last year. It's equal to what two years ago. But but the the program obviously uh, has a greater uh, ambitions for itself. But I'd like to flip the other side of the coin, TJ, mm-hmm. because there's one convenient aspect to the firing of Tim Tibisar in the circumstance that happened in, which is. Uh, the correlation of effect between the WSU game and the Colorado game. Because in Washington, in the Washington State game, Jonathan Smith says, or it's reported, that he publicly apologized for that fourth down um, fake punt call. Now, it wasn't a fake punt on, on last Saturday's game, but there was another dubious decision to go forward on fourth down. Uh, which came back to, to bite Oregon State in the behind. And also in the Washington State game, Coach Smith said he was prepared to go for two. And in his press conference, and I, I suspect that was you, TJ, who asked the question about why not go for the two-point confusion. That was conver- me, yep. Uh, conver- I thought it was, and I'm glad you brought it up, although was somebody had raised the juxtaposition of the punt. Uh, but uh, there's perhaps other times to do that. But here's the thing. Coach Smith and his explanation as to why he didn't decide to go for two, by my reckoning, in my own logic model, granting I'm just, uh, I'm just a fan, I'm not the head coach, but I'm giving you a fan's perspective. Coach Smith, I thought, with his explanation, made a better premise and pretext for going for two than for kicking it, because he said we didn't expect to be in overtime at that point. And but for the miraculous uh, footwork of, of uh, the kicker, uh, we, we, we might not have been. But the other team didn't expect to be in overtime either. They are reeling at this point. You have an opportunity to put Colorado away with the Coletto package, which succeeds. You have a 90% or better probability of the Coletto package working for a two-point conversion. And it's just painful in this situation, PJ, going back to a moment in time that you won't recall because you weren't in town. But in exactly that situation, on the road with the second team to score a touchdown and and overtime, Sacramento State, of all programs, went for two and one. And uh, back in 2009, 11, whenever it was, that was, and so, in a way, it's kind of a fake. It's a fake by firing the defensive coordinator, which I will say again was entirely warranted. It takes all of the scrutiny off that dubious fourth down call and not going for two in overtime. So I think you need to consider that context in this situation as all as well. That's all I really wanted to add, TJ. Yeah, and the thing that I thought was curious about Jonathan's answer is the way he made it sound is that they ran through the plays they wanted, they would want to run for a two-point conversion on that same drive because I think, I don't know if it was you, Dave, or if it was someone else on the post-game show, but mentioning just how the two teams approached overtime, Colorado, uh, I think, scored in three plays in the first overtime, uh, Oregon State took, uh, I'm going to say, 10 plays to score. So they, it was like small chunk, small chunk, small chunk, So meaning you had to operate, what, two or three plays inside the five-yard line, to which Jonathan says he used the 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 two-point the, the two plays he might have considered. But at, at the, as you just said, like, the Coletto package gets two yards about 
eighty percent of the time. I, I feel like those are I'd good say, enough odds. I'd say higher. I think it's close to ninety percent. There's some numbers geeks out there that can probably deduce that. Uh, and of course, it might, it may or may not have worked. But the point is, which team is in the is in, in the in once you're in the overtime in that particular sequence of games, uh, that particular sequence of the game, which team is in a more vulnerable psychological position? It's Colorado. They thought the game had been had been won, and here they're in overtime all of a sudden. Yes, they scored quickly on a third and forever, uh, which, of course, speaks to the defensive problems. Uh, uh, but uh, but you've got to put them... You, 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 as is evident by the subsequent decision to fire the defensive coordinator, you can't trust your team to, to hold endlessly. You have a chance, as Jonathan Smith has said, in the Washington State game two or three years ago. You have a chance in the moment to win the game, especially on the road. You've got to take it. That's on him. And I think that's a, that's a little too convenient. I mean, again, I support the decision, but nonetheless, it's a little too convenient uh, because it takes all the all the scrutiny off of the fourth down, uh, going forward on fourth, not going forward in two and overtime. It takes all of the attention off of that and puts it on the defensive side of the ball, and that's just a shade too convenient for my comfort. I'll take the decision, but uh, I, I, uh, that aspect of it leaves me a little bit queasy. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else, Dave? That's it, TJ. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Thank you to Dave from Tumwater to calling into this edition of the Joe Beaver Show. Uh, I believe John Warren will be back momentarily here on the Joe Beaver Show. We did say he'd be back here in this first hour, coming back from campus, doing some stuff with men's basketball, where the men's basketball team will be playing Portland State later tonight at 7.30. Our coverage starts here on 1240 Joe Radio at 7. In the meantime, let's hear the full clip of Jonathan Smith yesterday talking to the media in his Monday press conference. Uh, a couple things to start. One, uh, kind of addressing the decision uh, I, made, I made yesterday, kind of after watching the season progress over nine games, it just reached a point that I believed uh, a change was needed uh, in our leadership on the defensive side. I got a bunch of respect for Tim Tibisar as a coach, and as a person, uh, just unfortunate that we just we're not seeing the improvement needed to for us to achieve the goals we want in this football team in this in this season. Uh, I have great confidence in Coach Bray and really that defensive staff, um, and I believe this decision will provide a new energy, uh, a spark to our defense that I believe is needed. Uh, making personnel changes is not easy. Uh, and it's something I don't take lightly, but ultimately, uh, I believe this is the right decision for, for our football team at this time. Speaking of the game against Colorado, uh, there's some missed opportunities early in that game that I, I think was a difference in ways. We had the opportunities in the past game that were not, were not there, that we didn't execute. I was pleased at the end of the half how the offense went down and got a field goal as time expired. Actually, was really... Uh, fired up for Everett to win. He ended regulation with a historic uh, kick. Um, but we didn't have enough uh, opportunities, stops, enough points. And uh, at the end of the day, we got ourselves beat. And so 
uh, we got to go back to work. Got another great opportunity this weekend back at home. Really excited to get back at home. Students section, uh, our crowd. We've played well at home, and we're going to need to do it again against a program that I've got a ton of respect for. A head coach, I got a ton of respect for, and uh, I know they'll bring a, a real challenge. Questions? How long? How long have you been considering a move? Yeah, you know, I don't have a timetable on that. I know I was really thorough uh, evaluating, looking into things, but I don't have an exact timetable. I'm just wondering, did it happen after? Did you start thinking about it after the game, or has it been something in the back? I think you're always evaluating throughout. um, And, and again, I go back to watching the last half of the season and the the lack of progress that it's been in my mind. Have you noticed that Tim was starting to lose some of the players? I, no, I, I don't think that. I think those guys uh, uh, respected him uh, and believed. Was there anything specifically you were disappointed with on that side of the ball? Not, not any specifics. Again, ultimately, I just felt like we we needed a change at this time. And what did you see? What do you see from Trent that made you decide to go with him as the interim? You know, I think that he's been around a lot of good football on the defensive side. Um, I do think he uh, has a passion for this game. I look at his particular position group, um, and he's going to need uh, help from, a, I think, a defensive staff that, that's ready to help him. Is this a, is this a, a three-week or three-game audition for him in, in a sense? He's, he's the interim defensive coordinator, and then we'll get to uh, the permanent one when the time's right. What um, are you going to be looking at for the next defensive coordinator? What kind of criteria, what kind of attributes are you looking for for the next yeah, person? Yeah. Um, not, not there to tell you exactly. Uh, the complete focus is really on Stanford. Um, uh, we've had some real success, I believe, in uh, the, the coaching staff we've got here. And so we will uh, succeed again when that time comes on our next hire. One other question. Um, looking, changing topics to quarterback play. What is your philosophy? You know, Chance has done some really good things, and he's also struggled a little bit as late. What's your philosophy in giving another quarterback a chance or do you stick with the guy you have, you know, where it's not an easy one. Yeah. There's a balance there because you're right. Chance has done some really good things. We also, he missed a couple of throws um, and it's never completely on the quarterback. Um, I think uh, the change we made earlier this season was ultimately just about a spark. We weren't progressing. Well, I think offensively body of work, we've been able to score some points and he's been a huge part of that. Um, but each week can be new. And as you look at things, but we do have confidence in, uh, chance and this offense to score points. How uh, how involved are you on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, I'm I'm around. Uh, I'm not uh, calling plays on defense or anything. I'll I'll give my perspective from an offensive end because that's my background. How did the players react? Um, you know, each guy's going to be a little bit different, um, and you'd, you'd have to totally ask them. I do think they got a belief in in Trent. But I go back to they had uh, some respect, or a lot of respect for for Tibbs. So um, he, he might have to ask them. What did you feel um, made this coaching change necessary now, as opposed to maybe at the end of the season? Um, you know, I think that uh, again, I go back to the progress of uh, this team and what we got in front of us. Felt like at this moment. This was a change that gives us a great opportunity to, to improve. And how would you describe uh, Trent Bray's uh, coaching and leadership styles? I think he's passionate. Um, I think he's a truth teller. Um, 
He's passionate about the game, his players, um, being competitive, and it, I think it shows in the position group he's been coaching. Yeah, how have you seen him connect with the players that he coaches? He's done a good job. I mean, I think he connects more outside of just his room, um, which we ask of all our coaches to connect more than just their position group. Um, and so I know he's, you know, he's earned the assistant head coaching title as his time here because of some of the connection he has with the majority of the team. Uh, he came out of Saturday with probably as hard hit with injuries as, as I've seen this season. Bradford, is he? We'll see how he responds throughout the week. Uh, he tries to make a great play on the sideline there and kind of a couple of spots. His hip, his, his neck, uh, a little sore, but we'll see and at the end of the week. Lola, yeah, I saw him walk off in a boot. Ankle, yep. Um, we'll see how it how he responds toward the end of the week. Not ready to call him out yet. And Levin, good. Same thing with his ankle re-injured, the same spot. Um, wasn't able to finish. He, was, he got out pretty quick. Um, I, would, I would describe him as doubtful. Any chance of uh, Hodgins in the last last three weeks of the season? Not currently, no. Coach, the loss was the first time you guys have lost back-to-back games this season. You've talked a lot about the leadership, the depth on this team, and just the mentality going forward. What has the team's reaction been responding to Saturday's loss and going forward? Yeah, I think there's some real disappointment immediately after the game. Um, I do think we've got leadership that knows that they – they got to play better to win. We got to coach better to win, and we're anxious about the opportunity this Saturday to get back home and do it. Um, we got to put a great weekend. This opponent again. Um, they got some good coaches and players over there. So uh, I know our guys are fired up to to get an opportunity to, to play better this Saturday. Is there any one player you can pinpoint maybe that has stood out this season in the locker? I mean, you have a lot of leaders, have a lot of seniors, but maybe one guy that surprised you or that the teams really rallied around and responded to. Yeah, I think we got more than just one that they really rally around. I look at Trevon Bradford and his play and his voice. Um, Avery Roberts, not just in his play, but uh, the way he goes to work. Uh, but we've got multiple guys. Jaden Grant continuing to be a voice of this team. Jay continuing to be a voice of this team. Um, so I can't just say one. So you like you like being aggressive on offense going forward on fourth down and two-point conversions in that first possession of overtime, you guys – score the touchdown, you could go for two for the win, but you opted for the extra point instead to tie and go to another overtime. What was the thought process? There was a consideration there um, uh, to do it at that moment. Did feel like we used a couple of calls right before we scored the touchdown that were similar two-point plays. Um, at the same time, felt fortunate to be into overtime and it extended. I have confidence in our red zone offense. Um, didn't work out that way, but all of that thought process led me to kicking it. Then you had chance to throw a season high thirty eight passes in this game. Was that always the plan going in to, to air it out a little bit? Because it seemed like the chances were there if he had them. He had some chances that we missed in our kind of normal play. I do think the attempts were a little bit up the way uh, into the half in the two minute drive. Got a couple more attempts to get the, the total up at halftime, and really at the same thing at the end of the game, you know, throwing the ball back to back because we're down with two minutes. Uh, defensively, now with Coach Bray taking over. Um, it's a week. I mean, you have like five days to get ready. Big changes, any, or, or just kind of some little tweaks? Right. I'm not going to give away our, our game plan, but at the same time, yeah, it, you're, you're right on it. Five days, dramatic, schematic changes, um, probably not going to be uh, recognized. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that uh, he'll put in his personality into the, into the defense.
Yep. Well, obviously, uh, you know, it's not a simple answer because if I had it, we'd, we'd, have, we'd have adjusted. Uh, I do think there's something to, you know, finding out early in games. You've got enough tape out there. People game plan us and finding out how they're going to approach that. There has been a few more adjustments in the second quarter and halftime, felt like the last few games than, than the early games. Yeah, the stage was set to create a one-on-one -on -one down the field, um, and yeah, we overthrew it. The, uh, the holding thing in the center, they, they, they counted up. Where did, you, did you see where they really Yeah, there was some holding. There was, um, and some of that, I don't want to get too technical on you, but their defensive line did a good job getting vertical, okay? And we run wide zone, outside zone. Well, with that angle, we got to be better with our hands, with them pushing up the field and us not... Uh, completely reaching them like we had done previously. We, we ran into a couple of times. We've got to be better with our hands. I would, you know, it, we'd definitely rather play at home. We love playing at home. I, I do think each team's new, different. Uh, opponents are, are different over a two-year span. Um, you know, crowds back, but I don't have a pinpoint reason why we so much success two years ago. Well, I remember 2019, it was almost like you said, you know, sort of the circle of the wagons mentality that the team had. Is that, what, is that maybe a little bit lacking for this team over the long You know, I think that was, a, that was a definitely a mantra uniqueness about 2019. Um, but I do feel great on Friday nights when we got that 74 guys in that team meeting Friday night, and these guys are ready to, to go, go to battle together. Okay, thanks, guys. And that was Jonathan Smith talking yesterday to the media. So you heard it there. Um, yeah, it's a myriad of things to discuss. And back in studio now. I'm back. John Warren. I made it back. That was a, uh, just a I got a call at... 11, uh, 1035, 1035 that I needed to do something over on campus for tonight's game. So I had to, I had to hustle over there and then come back and make it in time. But you filled in nicely. Everything worked out perfectly. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was just going to be stuff we were going to talk about anyway. Yeah, right, right. And then that audio, you know, we needed to play that audio from yesterday. Let's uh, take Paul's call and then we'll take a break and come back and reset because I'm just getting my feet underneath me even though I was listening to you. Mike Parker will join us at 12.30, Ron Callen at 12.05. I want to talk to Ron about doing play-by-play -play at the last second, how it all went, women's basketball, which will start while I am gone. Um, and then, of course, uh, his thoughts on football. And then Mike at 12.30 as well. So let's go to the phones. Paul, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, John, uh, just a, an aside from this morning, man, you have to go and watch The Last Ship. It's oh, one of the yes. best shows ever on TV. That was you. Okay. All right, good. I, I saw that, and I thought, okay, all right, I'll give it a try. Watch what? Yeah. Uh, the Last Ship. Did you see that? I've, ne I've never seen that. No. Okay. I've heard of it. And it's, it's What's it on? Like TBS or TNT. Oh, okay. Well, oh, maybe I'll have to watch What's it, too. It's on demand now, John. Yeah. That'll anyway, my only comment is is is... When Oregon State got ahead in Colorado, 
I never felt comfortable. You know, I thought, well, how are we ever going to stop them? They haven't stopped them yet today, except right. once, you know, it's like, you know, that's, that's, that's part of rooting is when you get ahead and you feel that you can have, you can keep the lead and it just was never comfortable. I agree. And, and I know TJ, you've done a good job of breaking this down and on the postgame show as well, but it just seemed to me like they were never, they weren't ready. It just, I felt like they just weren't ready from the very beginning all the way through and then playing catch up the whole time. Uh, proverbially. Yeah. Know? And that, and that's what happens when you fall behind by 10 points yeah. for, I think now three games in a row, you've done that. Yeah. And, and then kind of, Going back and forth between the run and the pass, and then all of a sudden they pass on first down and more and more, and then they not throw the just, ball thirty-eight times. Yeah, instead of sticking with your actual what you do best and tell it, it it's gonna grab. It's a, it's like trying to help someone get out of a snow ditch with the car, and you know how to fix it, but they don't. And of course, I'm not saying I know how to fix the problem. Jonathan Smith doesn't. No way. Um, but it was frustrating uh, in that respect, Paul. So I agree. I don't know. Something's clicking and making weird. Yeah, sounds. I hear that, is that too. Us or is that Paul's phone? Paul. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, there was one particular play when they scored the touchdown in the, the corner of the end zone, and Rajon Wright had the coverage. And for some strange reason, he took a step to the inside instead of just following his man. I I, I don't know if that's lack of concentration. Or, or what's going on, but it was just so obvious that he had the coverage. There was no other player anywhere in the vicinity. There was nobody within 10 yards, and, and I don't know why he just didn't cover the guy. He could have. He was in position in front of the guy. He, if he just hadn't taken that one step inside, he could have knocked the ball away. It, it, it's obvious plays like that that aren't being performed by the defense that, that just makes you scratch your head and wonder what's going on. Appreciate the call. We got to get a break in. Thanks, Paul. We'll talk about that and other things. Thanks, Paul. Um, here on this, you know, last hour and ten minutes of the of the Joe Beaver show, it was hard for Jonathan to do what he did yesterday. I'll tell you that. It I, takes a lot, especially because that's his first uh, major fire. Yeah, and, and in season and all that. And and you know what? Look, I just want to make it clear. I felt bad for Tibisar on Sunday as a human being. I know that sounds so Heidi uh, and, and, and Pollyannish and it's all about sports, but for just, you know, for the first brief time, I'm thinking about him and his family and it's, no it's, one likes to, it stinks to be fired. Sorry. It stinks to be let go and told you you're not wanted. I speak from experience and he was never, he was always classy with us. Yeah. He was great. There's no issues there. He was always classy, answered every question. Maybe not to the way fans and us wanted them answered, but that's inside stuff. I just want to give a shout-out to him as a person and a family in that brief time. Okay, now that that's done, for football purposes, Jonathan felt the need needed to be made. It's an unusual thing, though, and we're seeing it uh, more and more this year around the country. Not season around the conference outside of Gary Anderson leaving. I don't think in the 20 years I've been here, there's been a mid season change on an Oregon state staff in the 22 years that I've been here. And we had two in the pac 12 within 12 hours of each right, other. Right. John and Donovan then, at, at UW is out. And then before that, who were we playing? Um, somebody else got fired a defensive line coach. Uh, Oh, offensive line coach for Cal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that was it. So, and that doesn't even count 
Washington State. Just kind of happening all over the place, and, and it's it's an unusual thing, but not this year. It's not unusual at all. Not at all. Starting with Clay Hilton in week, what, three or four, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was after week three. And that's a head coach firing, which was a, whoa, okay, so you're going to go an entire season and, and ruin recruiting and all of that? I would think wait till the end of the year so you can not completely undo the entire Well, some schools want to get a head, head start on the carousel. Well, that's true. Yeah, you you can monitor guys who are available during the season. Yeah, and they they uh, they communicate with back channels. Agents will talk to agents uh, mm-hmm. and, and representatives and say, "Okay, well, when this season is done, so the coaches themselves aren't distracted and you're not, you know, stepping on toes." But it's just it's strange. Let's break at this last break in, and we'll come back and wrap up this hour with a little extra time here, and then we'll come back. Ron Callen joining us at twelve oh five right here on twelve forty Joe Radio. Have you seen Highland Bulls expanded strike zone lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded strike zone lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the holiday season is a special time with special meaning. That's why during these unprecedented times, Stargazer is providing contactless deliveries with a focus on keeping families and friends connected and safe during the holidays. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, gift baskets, and houseplants. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle. Boulevard, Corvallis. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project, now's the time to get it done, and Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff, Wendy, Robin, and Brian, have years of combined experience and look forward to working with you. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. Or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. 
Sunday on the Las Vegas Raiders radio network. It's a Sunday night showdown as the Silver and Black play host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hi, this is Tim Cates. Join Brent Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy for all the action. After a loss in New York last week to the Giants, the Raiders return home for a Sunday night AFC West showdown against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. If it's the NFL, it's right here. Coverage starts at 450 on 1240 Joe Radio. Just a couple of minutes here left in this hour. Great job filling in. It was last second. I came down the hall to TJ and said, um, I have to go over to campus 20 minutes before airtime. It's been a crazy scheduling week. We obviously didn't have a show yesterday. Right, right. By the way, that's a good uh, thing. Here's what happened to our faithful listeners. I was promoting yesterday's show all morning long, and it was a situation where it was the biggest show ever in a long time because of the situation with Coach Tibisar. And why wouldn't we be there? I mean, COVID got the Joe Beaver show. That's what I tweeted, and that's exactly what happened. With protocols and rules and laws, COVID got the Joe Beaver show. Thankfully, I was able to get a lot of stuff done yesterday afternoon, hustling around, getting tests and this and that. To um, to make it so we could be here today, and this is the last show of the week. I believe you and Mike will be back on Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That's up to how Mike feels. If he's able to do the football game, I think he'll be able to do a Joe Beaver show. I'll be out until Wednesday, next Wednesday, and uh, and that's what happened yesterday. We tried everything, tried backups and subs, and I called Josh, yeah. and you know. He, he, it just, it, we couldn't fix it in about, we had an hour to fix all that, and it just didn't work. Yeah, I was about to leave my apartment. I think it was 9.15. I was about to pick up my keys and walk to my car. Yeah. And John calls me and says, don't come in yet. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, uh-oh. Exactly. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough, and it was tough to not be there on such a big day and try to be a home for people to go to for Beaver Sports. And I... I don't know. I apologize. Yes and no. It's, it was completely out of our control. And it wasn't an issue technical. It was just COVID got the Joe Beaver show. But we're back. We're here for one more hour. Ron Callen coming up next. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. What's cooking at Panera? Plans to take the restaurant chain public. Its parent company, Panera Brands, said today it will soon submit paperwork for the restaurant group's proposed initial public offering. In addition to Panera Bread, the company, backed by European investment firm JAB Holdings, also owns regional coffee shop Caribou Coffee and bagel chain Einstein Brothers. It's not clear as yet what Panera's valuation might be. Stocks are losing ground today, putting an end perhaps to the recent win streak. The Dow Industrials right now down 194 points. The S&P 500 in the red down 21. And the Nasdaq Composite has dropped 106. Heinz has just unveiled a new out-of-this-world ketchup. The food company says astrobiologists at Florida's Aldrin Space Institute have successfully grown specialized Heinz tomato seeds in simulated Martian soil. Sad to report the Mars Edition ketchup will only get to be tasted by some select folks at Heinz as the project is still considered to be in the experimental phase. That's your money now.
If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-714-6633. That's 1-800-714-6633. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-714-6633. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health issuance. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off. That's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Do you have a rock chip in your windshield that's bugging you? Stop by or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help you drive better in the wind. If you live in a place where it sometimes gets windy like I do, your expectations as well as your swing have to be readjusted. Ideally, you want to be able to hit a low tee shot that doesn't balloon into the wind and goes nowhere. To help get solid contact and a lower trajectory, you want to maximize your body stability and make a shorter swing than normal. Just widen your stance a bit and shorten up on your grip one or two inches. What this does is help narrow your swing arc and gives you more control. Also, remember to tee your ball a bit lower so less than half of the ball is above the top of your driver or whatever club you're using. Then go ahead and make a smooth rhythmic swing. So remember, when hitting into the wind, wider stance, choke down, smaller swing, and swing smoothly, and you'll have no problem hitting the shot. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. It's not magic that will deliver 1 billion packages to homes across the country this holiday. It's the United States Postal Service. And we don't need a team of reindeer to do it because we've added more vehicles to our fleet. And while we don't come down your chimney, we can pick up presents for you and yours. So if making more holiday deliveries to homes in the U.S. than anyone else seems like magic, that means we're doing our job. Share the magic at usps.com helpers. Whether you're vaccinated or not, it's important to know the symptoms of COVID and its variants. Fever is the leading sign, and only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate with more than 100 clinical studies. Non-contact thermometers have no clinical evidence behind them and cannot be relied on. Be vigilant and seek medical advice at the first sign of fever. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. That's exergen.com.
people wherever you roam for the times we are changing everywhere things are changing things will change something's changing 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 It's true. Everywhere things are changing. <gasps> changing now. But even as Beaver football enters a new era, from an old tempo All these change. to a new tempo. Here we come a lot of number 29 in. What are you going to get? 25 to get 30 now. In the world of the Joe Beaver Show, it's still John Warren. Well, I heard he speaks eight languages. And on top of everything else, holds a degree in medicine as well as law. He's very attractive. And Mike Parker, director of Woody Repartee. Hello. 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 Howdy. So the more things change, the more they remain the same. Hi, diddle, diddle, I cut the fiddle. This time I think we go through the middle. Hi. Well, I'll see you later, and we'll have another little conversation. It's the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. We can finally say that. Good afternoon on this start of Basketball Tuesday. I'm John Warren, TJ, doing a great job filling in and, and just kind of getting thrown in, into the fire. That's really the best way to learn, isn't it, young TJ? Yeah, it was. I mean, not expecting to, you know, host the Joe Beaver Show today. <laughs> Co-hosting is much different than hosting. When Mike Parker's here, he does a lot of the heavy lifting yeah. for everyone. Yeah. And then John walks in at 1040. He's like, oh, I got to go to campus. I'm like, oh, well. Yeah, that that happened and we're back and it's all working and you did a great job. You had a lot to talk about and a lot of texts and a lot of phone calls. I want I lined up some guests for today, two friends and, and, and not necessarily guests because there's different storylines. With Ron, it's what's it like to prepare for a football game at the last second in 48 hours now ron's a pro we're all pros we've been at it for 30 40 50 years except for yourself and you're <laughs> right at the very beginning of that trail so watch us older guys for all of our mistakes but ron was fantastic and had to do that plus he's got women's basketball on friday we want to talk about that so let's just start hour number two here of the joe beaver show where we're finally in studio. Things are normal. They're more normal now than they were an hour ago because of where, uh, an hour ago I was... Screaming down the freeway. Screaming down the freeway. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I was doing the speed limit. Ron, you know of yep. what I speak, don't you, as far as the frazzled nature sometimes of having to do a lot of things in a short amount of time. Well, especially with uh, you know, the basketball opener, you've got to get pregame interviews. Yep. You've got to talk to the coach. You've got to know about Portland State. You've got to know all the players on the beef. Yep. And uh, not a lot of time to do it. And I'm looking forward to your broadcast tonight because I'm glad you are raring to go and ready to go. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was kind of like in the bullpen in case, yeah. just like I was with Mike. And, uh, yeah, finding out about uh, Colorado and Oregon State, you know, when, when you're around the beef for so many years, I, I wasn't worried about the beef. I just wanted to do enough homework on Colorado, so I, you know, right. I didn't make a fool of myself Saturday, and I thought we did a good job. Jim Wilson, I've yeah. known him for years. He, he rolled with the punches, and I mean, think about an exciting game to call with drama left and right, and 
You know, I mean, the question we had is when they got it to uh, 34-33, should they have gone for two? Because the defense wasn't playing that great. But, hey, they, they got the one point, and then, you know, we all, we all know what happened after that. But uh, bottom line, um, hey, you're, you're a hard-working guy, John Warren. You do a great job. Looking forward to your call tonight. And let's see if uh, Wayne Tinker's team can get off to a good start against yeah. those Vikings. I'm not, I appreciate that, Ron, and I, I'm actually not – I have no nerves at all for tonight. Done it a thousand times and have all the prep done. I'm ready to go. It's the interviews you got to get. I never feel comfortable. I never feel less anxious until the interviews are in the can because it's hard to – you know, chase down and wonder, okay, when, where, where will I get you? Mm-hmm. Once they're in the can, I can finally <sighs> relax. Now I know all I got to do is show up. Somebody else will engineer and start broadcasting. If you know what I mean, right? Exactly. And, you know, for me, you know, I've done a ton of women's basketball play by play in my life now, yeah. 400 and something games. And so the play by play idea, you know, to do football all of a sudden is different. It's, it's like apples and oranges, yet yeah. at least, you know, you have that in the back of your mind. And this year has been unique for me, John, because last month, I, I had, uh, well, during the bye week, I had a, a call from Kelly Bird, who is the sports information director at Linfield, and I'm a Linfield alum, and uh, their play-by-play guy, Joe Stewart's mom passed away, and they said, hey, can you come do the play-by-play Linfield in Pacific? <laughs> And, you know, it was, it was um, the bye week, so I had an opening. And uh, I could go back and, uh, and broadcast your alma mater. That was really kind of special for me. And the guy that does the analyst job there, Dave Hansen, has been doing it yeah. for 47 years. Yeah, he was there and when so I was there. You know, I, I just had to tee him up for four quarters. Yeah. And then, of course, Linfield won 52-23, and they clinched their 65th consecutive winning season. So I had that play-by-play this year. And then, then you know, I, I had done two other games for Mike over the years. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I felt so bad about the, the nature of the end of that game yeah. because it just took the wind out of our sails in the, in, in the booth. I mean, we were exhausted from the double overtime sure. post-game show. Because we didn't have anybody to get post game interviews, you know, because we were shorthanded. Ah, yes. So, uh, but but we got her done, and uh, I'm I'm you know I'm, I'm hoping Mike's on the mend. He sounds like, from what I've heard, he is. Yeah. So let's we'll wait and see until Friday. But let's hope he'll be back in the booth so for that game at twelve thirty pregame coverage Saturday. And boy, this is an interesting week for Beaver football, as you guys all know. We'll get an idea on how Mike feels coming up at 1230, 12.35 when he comes on with us right after you, Ron. And I think he'll be all right, but I don't know. I don't know the whole medical uh, part of that. Um, it, it, it gets you, though. I know that it's not an easy thing. And Mike's a vax guy, so it's not an easy th- – it would have been would have been even worse. So, um, you know, thank thank goodness for that. Tell me about – you said something about there was no restroom in the in the facilities where you were broadcasting oh, yeah. from? Uh, well, Folsom Field, you know, it's a grand old stadium, and they've done some remodeling. It's beautiful. Of course, a beautiful setting of Boulder. I mean, it's just, what a great place to, 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 to go to a game and broadcast a game. But on the sixth floor is where they have the radios, and uh, they don't have a restroom on the sixth floor. <laughs> and we're on the far end, the south end, which is – the bathroom that they do have is on the fourth floor, north end. Mm. And so to get to this bathroom, I'd say, would be about a one-minute walk. And then, you know, then you have to take care of business. Then you got to get back. And the, and the longest commercial breaks are three minutes. 
Yeah. And plus, you know, I have, I have this new ankle, so oh, I can't yeah. walk too fast. The stairs are always slow, so I could not go, and Jim Wilson could not go, just because the nature of the game, A, B, um, we still can't understand in 2021 why they couldn't even, like, put a honey bucket up somewhere yeah. on that sixth floor, right? But uh, make a long story short, we got, we, we made it, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, it was just... Wow. But it was a little dicey. It was a little dicey. If you think about how many hours that is, the pregame show, two hours, the game, three and a half, postgame, an hour and a half. That's a long time. That's and nuts. So you try, I, I tried to not drink much water, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear that story all the time from guys that are covering the NFL draft. That they're on, especially like that second and third round coverage, they're on the air for 10 hours in a row. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's, there's no right. bathroom around there. Hmm. So that's crazy. Wow, Ron, that that adds to the great job that you did. I mean, that really (laughs) adds to that. Well, all I know is that, that, you know, um, we want to see the Beavs. I mean, here's my feeling about this week. Yeah. Here comes Stanford. They haven't beat Stanford since 2009. So the long streak. They faced a couple of long streaks this year with Washington and USC. And they took care of those. So I'm thinking, why not? With the streak situation, they're going to take care of the streak this week, get their sixth win, and, I mean, that would be huge because I think ASU will be a tough game. I think Oregon, obviously, will be a tough game. Anytime the rival game is a tough game. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, this is a game where Stanford's reeling. Will they come together? I know they've got injuries. So um, Beavers have injuries, too. To Ron Bradford, we don't know if he's going to be able to play. And he is such a great player. Uh, you know, but yeah. I think that altitude played a role Saturday night with uh, Chance Nolan's passes. You think I mean, so? The air is so thin up there, five thousand three hundred and forty-five feet. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is different, but it did help Everett Hayes on that sixty-yarder. Yeah, think. that's right. That's right. I mean, that that was unbelievable. And how about the clock management by Coach Smith? at the end, and the play calling and the clock management worked to perfection. That's getting a little uh, oversight because of the loss, but that was pretty amazing to get the ball with, what, 28 seconds left and still manage to to get it back. They had to to force a three and out with using the timeouts perfectly, get it back, then run a play that gets you out of bounds in time. That was unbelievable how that ending happened. And Anthony Gould, what a nice little punt return to kind of get that in motion. And then the great step out of bounds. And then I don't know who the cheerleader was who got hit in the head with the ball. But that, I, I felt, did you see that on the 60-yard kick? I didn't. Oh, I, I, I saw that, Ron. She got drilled straight on. She was looking Ooh. out up uh, out, out of the end zone the opposite way. And yeah. Everett Hayes yeah, kicked. she wasn't looking at the ball. And she just hit a score in the back of the head. I, I'm hoping she's fine. I'm sure she was. But, you know, it just, I mean... That that was a 65-yard field. Oh, yeah, that was way up on the uprights. You're right. You're right about that. Great call on that, too. No, it was back and forth. Do you expect, and I'll I'll ask this of Mike, I expect a bounce. You know, just when you think all is lost and and, and, in everything Mm -hmm. in life, and, oh, sky is falling, yes. But sometimes you bounce from that, rally together, um, respond to Trent Bray for a few days. Hey, plus you look at the season record. They're four and zero at Arisa. They're one and four on the road. They've struggled on the road, even though they got the big win at USC. Yeah, they've struggled on the road. It hasn't been a good year on the road. They've been so close, like this. I mean, that could, you know, so many games that could have been a win. 
the Cal game. And plus, the issue lately, guys, is, of course, the slow starts. Right, right. You know? And it'll be interesting to see how they, if, if you're right, John, and I, I, I hope you are, that they'll bounce back. I mean, to dominate early. Don't give, I mean, look at Stanford. They were embarrassed in that first half by Utah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, that game was just ugly to watch. And so, let's see. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to uh, being out at uh, Gill on the steps at 1230. I'm excited <laughs> about Thursday. Terry Boss's men's soccer team. You know, can they get the job done and yeah. that pack will title outright? I think that would be exciting to see happen. Taking Friday the... night. Uh, yeah, Friday night basketball. basketball. Now, you, you're, right after me. I, you're right after me. I go with Iowa State leading right into women's basketball here on Joe. So, oh, good. let's get two wins Friday night. Let's, let's double up and get a couple of wins. And uh, I'm excited for this women's basketball team. There's, there's a lot of new players, but uh, they have really had a great summer and fall getting to know each other. Yeah. And you've got a couple of real standout returnees and, you know, Taylor Jones and Kennedy Brown. And I think the surprise player, which if you've seen her work out and play this year, Jelena Mitrovic, she is at 6'9". I mean, she is in fantastic shape. She's healthy. And I think people who went to the game last weekend and they took on Western Washington in that exhibition saw a, a little bit of what Yelena could do. So, I mean, the depth could be really special. They've got the senior transfers, Taya Adams, Emily Cotting. I mean, they, they're not like freshmen coming in. They play. They played in, in you know, important games at WCC and, and, and Taya at San Diego State. So uh, I like it. And these two freshmen – you know, I, I mean, I mean, they've heard so much about Gill. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at the box score. I didn't see the game. There was no video of the game, but um, I, I think they might have been a little tight, so they got that out of the way. I bet you know, both Greta Tamtrader and um, you know AJ Murat, they are talented, athletic, yeah. and dynamic players. So I, I, I can't wait to see them. Plus, we've got you know um, Ellie Mack and uh, Yo uh, Yo Vana Subasic uh, yeah. and Noel Madden, who's got a scholarship this year. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of players that uh, we could go on and on about with that team. Scott Ruth's got a great group. I think it's going to be a great winter of winter sports with wrestling and, and everything. So thanks for taking time out with us. Uh, an amazing story. I think the most amazing thing that I take from our time together on this phone call <laughs> is no bathroom for all those hours. <laughs> I know. That was that was a challenge and a mental challenge. You know, you just <laughs> have to put it out of your mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Ron, all you're right. the best. Thank hey, you, guys, Thanks for spending Thanks for having me. All right. There you go. Ron Callen joining us here on the program. Can you imagine that? I, so I have, have you heard that Joe Buck story? I think he was, so he met, I think he might've mentioned it in his book, but he had a similar situation to Ron, except the bathroom was on the complete other side of the stadium. Whoa. Was so a, like a college game or a- no, it was a pro game NFL on Fox. Wow. And he, I, I believe he peed in the middle of a touchdown call. Really? Into a bottle. Oh, well. You do what you got to do. <laughs> Which that, that, that was the first thing that popped into my mind when I heard Ron mention that. Yeah. Because I think the way Joe Buck described it is he literally, they had to go down and then walk all the way to the yeah, other side of the stadium. If you're, if, you're Joe, if you're Joe Buck you're on, and you're on a network television broadcast, you can't go anywhere. No. You can't leave. No it's way. It's not like there's a possibility, depending on how long it might take, that because I've heard this happen before where Mike will leave and then Jimmy will bring it back for just a few seconds, and then Mike comes back. Um, 
there's a possibility of, of doing that. Now, in this, their situation, clearly they couldn't do that because he knew I won't even. I believe there's a time where you time. like you could because I know during the halftime show it goes segment break scoreboard break second half. Yeah. So you could do it then. Well, yeah, if you're looking at that and looking ahead, because as board ops and engineers here, you have to know that stuff. Yeah. That's funny. Now, not to get too gross or anything, not at all, but as men age, you have to go a little more often. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I know that all of us, I'm not just saying Ron, all of us, say for you, are getting, you know, older to where you visit a little more frequently. And wow. Good for them. Good for both of them to to get through that. And, you know, as far as um, the game, I want to pose this question before we come back. Mike joins us here in about 10 minutes. We'll take a break now and then a break before Mike comes on. I saw this tweet. I don't remember who it was from, but I thought, yes, I like that. I like that. I'm going to go with that. If someone had said to me before the season started, now you have to be able to suspend your mind from what we know to have already happened. If someone would have come to you at the beginning of the season, now you're new, you're an Arizona State kid, and you, you don't have the the feelings of the losses over the last eight years, but especially the last, well, all, the, all of it, not going to a bowl game, all of that. And after having experienced 11 bowl games in 15 years, to go two and five last year was a little disappointing on the on the scoreboard, but we know that there were several games that could have been flipped could have easily been flipped to five and two. It was a, it was the COVID year, and it was just strange. Put and they pro- probably wouldn't have gone to a bowl game anyway. Right. Throw even if out. they even if they won enough, they would probably just decline yeah. and say no, no bowl. So, if someone would have said to you, and I say this to the listener, at the beginning of the year before it ever started, you can be five and four with three games left, two of them at home. Would you take it? I would have back then eight weeks ago, whatever it was, I would have taken that. Based on what you're coming from, what the expectation is, and you can, you've can you got two chances at home to win enough to get to a bowl game, I would have taken that. What gets in the way of that question is knowing where the team was and that there was even bigger things that were out there, and you were favored in the, the last two losses. You were favored to win and didn't come through. And then the Washington State game, too, is one that with that second half, eight for eight on third down conversions for their offense, there's there's stuff left on the table there. But before the season started and you didn't know that, based on the history, I'd say I would take five and four with two games at home and three games to play. I would have taken it. I'm sure. Yeah. And I, this is a lot of the stuff, John, what you just said of what comes up often on the post game show. It's like we're, we're trying to like put it in perspective right but that that is the way the way that looks at it right there is just sort of generalizing yeah. right it, it is because if you look at the pacific it's like oh well you're going to beat usc you're going to beat washington you're going to beat utah it's like oh well those are the the best team in the south second best team in the south but you yeah. would think and the team you and, won and a team in 60 years yeah exactly um but then you go look at the oh but you're also going to lose to cal wazoo and colorado all on the road right and it's like, well, but you don't know that. You don't know that. No, it and didn't ha- that's why it's frustrating because you look at that. You're, you're, what you just laid out, and it goes well. And that's what I'm talking about. Things that were left on the table. That's where it's frustrating. But prior to knowing anything, I would have said yes. 
to the envelope game. Here I have in this envelope five and four, three games left, two of them at home. Would you take it? Yes, I'd take it. Yes, and that's not you. even counting like a swing or two in week one against, you know, Purdue, who has beaten, by the way, two top three teams in the last three weeks. How are they not in the top 25 after beating third ranked Michigan State? I think they have four losses. Well, even, I mean, how far did they fall? They garnered enough votes to get to number 26. Uh, well, the playoff rankings will be out tonight. Those are, I, I trust well, those a little bit AP. more. I'm talking AP. Yeah. I would prefer the playoff thought, rankings wow. over the AP. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm yeah. still thinking, wow, okay, what do you got to do? You literally, uh, you know, t- not only just beat them. It wasn't on a last-second deal. They, they beat them. No, they beat Yeah, handily. They and both handily. of them. They blew out Iowa. And, and then they, they had a two-score lead on Michigan State in that second half, the, yeah, pretty much yeah, the whole and way. and it didn't garner them enough votes to crack the top 25. They must have been like— And it's like, hey, the Beavers were, you know, a play here, a play there from beating Purdue in their own building. Yes. That was—yes. I think to uh, some of the callers and texters' points, too, the, the firing and Dave's call. Dave's was a good call, but I think a lot of it had to do with regression. The, the defense regressed this year. I think the biggest thing that points out at that, John, I mentioned there's, they didn't have enforced a turnover in four weeks. Which they were doing that like crazy. When, when they the were, when, yeah, it was like against uh, Washington. Off the top of my head, I don't remember how many turnovers, but I know they picked off Keaton Slovis a couple of times right. when they really needed it, especially down there at the end. Jack Coletto had that interception to seal the game. Yeah, and the, no, that's, the that's big stuff. Everything did. They got turnovers against Purdue. That's why they were, they had a chance down there to win. Right. They right. got a turnover against Washington State, which, you know, in retrospect, it kept Wazoo out of the end zone and then didn't get lay a hand on the ball the entire second half and Wazoo marched up and down the field like it was no problem. Yeah. And then that has happened against Cal where they couldn't get a stop. Uh, you know, a turnover, it's, a, it's you know, you flip possession like that. Yeah. You, you don't have to, you don't have to get off the field, but it, it's, it, that, that's one of the big things, I think. Most important aspect, I think, in, in any football game is winning the turnover battle. You have to. Not too often. I'd love to know what the, uh, what the uh, data, analytics or whatever you say, data is on how many times a team loses, any team, all teams who lose the, or wins, who lose the turnover battle. It's probably very low. It's probably about low. maybe 20%. Maybe. Yes. And that is not very good. No, it's not. And versus how many times you lose a ball game if you won the turnover. Yeah. Ball. And you think about it this way. You know, Tim Tibisar said this last week, uh, which this speaks true. I know he's no longer defense coordinator at Oregon State, but what he said is true. Turnovers, you know, uh, a lot of it has to do with pass rush. Right. It does. And then some of it is luck based as well. You need the other team to screw up yeah. to give you the ball. They need to make a bad throw. They need to just put the ball on the turf, hang it out here when a run when a runner is you know holding the ball away from his body, and you could just chop at it, boom, easy. Yes, they have to do, and they haven't they, they haven't gotten that fortune. They have to make mental mistakes on the other team, but you have to be ready for them when they do. Correct, but it was like how many times has the ball even been on the turf in the last yeah. three weeks? Has it at all? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't we'll think so. See, we'll see if there's a bounce. I think there's going to be a bounce. I know that's. <laughs> Positive thinking, but I can't help but be positive thinking. Why not? Eventually, one of these games, one of these last three games, the turnovers are going to swing back in Oregon State's yeah, favor yeah. because they, they the last four weeks they just have it. And you know what? It's out there. I know this is crazy. And this is the Joe Beaver show, and we're accused of just being homers. Okay, fine. Mathematically, and not even a, a stretch of mathematically, you can still win the North. 
Yeah, you just got to win out. Win out and have Oregon beat Washington State. That's it. Now, that's a huge ask, but that's what's left. And there's no reason you can't get hot. So, who knows? And in a Pac-12 this year, I mean, you look at Oregon State's four loss and be like, well, they don't deserve to win a division. It's right. like, well, have you seen the conference this year? Yeah, anybody, it's crazy. Now, Oregon is starting to heat up a little bit just mm-hmm. the way they looked in Seattle. And they have that they have that top four ranking. Yeah, and so they, they I don't feel as good about that as I did three weeks ago, but not much worse. Not much worse because the Beavers lost two they were supposed to win, and Oregon won and took care of business. And I thought that that's a that there's a shift there, but not not huge. But uh, they got anything come happens they in rivalry games and, and win win this weekend and and win looking comfortable, not big or anything, but just not like a last second field goal against the Stanford team that's really reeling. So we won't get to say this on a Joe Beaver show the rest of this week, of course, because we won't have any more no more Joe Beaver shows this right. week, but. Most important thing, I think, for Oregon State, they just have to score first. Yeah. Score first. Yeah, get out. Play with the lead. To a better start. Get out to a better start. Mike Parker coming up next. And your text as well here on 1240 Joe Radio. Showers or baths? Which do you prefer? Hi, this is Katie with Albin's Plumbing. You deserve a bathroom that fits you, whether that be a walk-in shower or a luxurious soaker tub. Let Albin's Plumbing handle your bathroom remodel from beginning to end. Then all you have to do is turn on the water and relax. At Alvin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Alvin's Plumbing. Luxury Vinyl Blank Flooring is really popular right now, and Corvallis Floor Covering carries several different brands. LVB Flooring is waterproof, durable, very affordable, and mimics the look and texture of real wood. Window coverings are an easy way to update a room, and Corvallis Floor Covering has new fashion looks by Hunter Douglas and Norman Window Fashions. Stop by and browse through their large showroom. They're at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go be! Rhodes Ward and an independent, locally owned insurance agency can provide health, home, auto, business, and farm coverage from many of the nation's top insurance carriers. The professionals at Rhodes Warden will customize a plan to fit your needs. Stop in or go to their website to see all the companies they represent and find a helpful array of information and services on the web at RhodesWardenINS.com. Rhodes Warden in Albany, Lebanon, and Staten. Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency, you can depend on locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats in Corvallis, Salem, and Eugene are hiring now. Qdoba is currently looking to add new and flavorful talent to their restaurant teams. New hires can earn $14 to $15 per hour. You'll also enjoy great perks including benefits, free employee meals, and a flexible schedule. Students are welcome to apply. Call or stop by the Corvallis, Salem, or Eugene Qdoba today to learn more and apply. Qdoba Mexican Eats is an equal opportunity employer. Philomath, Oregon, 2002. A couple brothers had an idea to bring better internet access to rural parts of the Willamette Valley. An internet that meets your needs. We get it because we live here. If you're learning or working from home or keeping up with changes in the field, we are here to keep you connected to your world. Alirica High-Speed Rural Internet. Plans starting at $49.99. Call Alirica today. Online at alirica.net. Alirica, the friendlier internet. 
Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids specializes in Prius sales, Prius service, and Prius batteries, but also services all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Get peace of mind before you hit the road with Dave's Guardian Full Vehicle Inspection Report so you know about possible failures before they occur. With over 120 years of experience under one roof, you'll get expert service every time. Off I-5 and Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com. 1240 Joe Radio. All right, TJ, you ready? I think so. I don't remember the last time I got sick. I think it was two years ago. Cold, flu, anything. Well, we have spent the last, well, year and a half wearing, for the most part, masks inside, and it does, it, it's, it, wor- it, it's it does prevent you. It does, I, I really, knock on wood, mm-hmm. haven't really gotten sick. No, it's, uh, it's, it's changed a lot as far as those statistics go, and our own, uh, Doc Parker, unfortunately, got the Rona. Now, I've been in conversation with you quite a bit uh, these last few days and, and into last week, so I know how you're doing. But for everybody else, how are you feeling? What kind of mobility do you have? Do you get tired if you try to walk across the room or what? John, thanks for having me on. And I think immediately I, you can hear, <clears throat> I hear it in my own voice, I'm feeling considerably better since uh, I received, you know, f- full confirmation Thursday of uh, COVID-19 status, positive test. <clears throat> Even now, as I feel better, I can still hear I'm we- I-, I have some weakness still. So you ask about, you know, walking. Yeah, I'm mobile. I'm fully upright and mobile and walking and so on, but, but um, susceptible to fatigue pretty easily. And yeah pretty quickly wearied. However, it's better each day. But just the very tangible fact that my voice isn't back. I can you know, I can't generate <clears throat> I can't you know what I'm saying? You can hear it, right? You can hear yeah, something's yeah. Oh, not a hundred percent. Yeah, no doubt. But but you feel like the but, trajectory is good for Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Um the symptoms otherwise other than that uh are diminishing steadily and you know i'm almost almost in in some respects feeling you know normal last week i gotta tell you i wasn't Mm. you know i mean it was a good thing to kind of lay low and and you know i i will say that saturday in the end the overall experience in day was not conducive to better health yeah. Oh, yeah. By the end, you know, by, it was, by the end of the evening, after Everett Hayes made his 60 yarder, you know, I felt like I might watch Elmer Gantry and, and feel like, you know, a miracle was in the offing. And, you know, I, I just, and then to not win it after that didn't do much for my overall physical or mental health. So let me ask you, but, uh, let me ask you yeah. this. How were you feeling and energy wise? What were you able to muster? as a reflexive celebration to that kick because you can't control it. So what did your body allow you to do? Were you able to jump? Were you able to raise your arms? <laughs> I mean, what, what was yeah. the, the, um, the reflex that your body allowed when that kick went through? Well, uh, there was some immediate texting to family members who were away watching the game yeah. and celebrating. So it was more of a, more of a cerebral measured response than had I been in the booth, but also even being in the booth, it, it would have had a similar feeling to me 
even though my reflexive action as an 11-year-old when Jerry West made a 63-footer to tie a game and send it into overtime in the NBA Finals, and I leapt from my bed running and jumping to yell, <laughs> West made an 80-footer, West made an 80-footer, as Chick Hearn described it. Yeah. I also knew that as glorious as the 60-yarder was, that didn't win it. <laughs> that that kept you alive. Yeah. The rat gave you, it almost felt like a, a governor's reprieve. You were still alive. You yeah. stayed off at <laughs> the end. Mm. But I, I thought after that that the Beavers were in a position to win. And I think that, again, would have um, <clears throat> overall helped me help my recovery even, <laughs> even take another step or two more quickly. But, John, I am feeling a lot better. It may not sound like it. Yeah, but I'm feeling better, and I expect each day these next couple of days to lead me to be able to work on Saturday. Well, that for the is Stanford game. That is good news. Do you have any thoughts on what has transpired here these last few days? It's been crazy. I know you've been a part of it, just in letting you know what we're doing. But me having to go get tested and be in protocol yesterday, and the sure. Joe Beaver show <clears throat> on what you know was the biggest presser of the season in many seasons for Oregon State football, and we weren't there, and all the things that have been happening. Any idea, you know, what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, I don't, first of all, I don't remember in 23 years with the Beavs, and when I say I don't remember, I I just, I know it hasn't happened. We've not had an in-season firing right. like this. that's what I in, thought. In, in my 23, and I reached out to Steve Fink and asked him what he remembered, and he, he said he couldn't. Now, along the way, in the long history of Beaver football, I imagine that there have been some in-season uh, firings of assistant coaches that have taken place, but I cannot at this moment recall one. Right. So that was unprecedented in scope, but it, it seems in keeping with the nature of the season this year, even in our league, you know, playing Colorado, you're dealing with uh, Carl Durrell, who had fired his offensive line coach after a dismal performance at Cal. Uh, we're dealing with Jimmy Lake just, you know, on the same day up in Seattle, firing his offensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, you know, we're dealing with uh, other programs within the league that have made in-season changes to an unprecedented kind of scope. So, you know, that that's a little surprising to me. But on the other hand, you know, as Dave, I think, called TJ earlier, he doesn't – I'm not – I'm hurt for Tim Tibisar, a guy that I like and respect, but I <clears throat> I think it's a move that, uh, that Jonathan's probably been contemplating for a while, given, as you described it, the regression. Earlier in the year, the defense was doing a better job in the red zone, taking the ball away. Uh, the Utah game was a good example of giving up a lot of stuff up and down the field but making plays fourth down stops when they needed to. And when you win a game, as opposed to lose one when you're giving up points and yards, somebody, I think, shrewdly texted, well, what if the Beavers had gone for two and beaten Colorado and won that game uh, before the overtime stuff? It, it would not have eliminated the issues that were still present with the defense, but it might have held off. It might have held off making a change had you won the game. So uh, the combination of the way the Beavers lost and some of the continuing problems on defense, uh, yeah, I was not shocked, surprised mildly, but not shocked 
that Jonathan made an in-season move and that he elevated a guy that I think has a real good shot just based on his pedigree, his tenacity, uh, the respect with which Trent is held in. I think Trent, yes, in a very real sense, has these last three and slash four games to uh, prove himself as the as the future defensive coordinator of the program. So in that respect, it's pretty big. I don't think it should all be put on how well the defense responds to Trent in the next few days and leading into the Stanford game. <clears throat> but if the team does show some improvement, you know, just getting off the field, uh, some different coverages, different uh, approaches in terms of how to do that, how to bring pressure on the passer, uh, becoming more uh, proficient at tackling, getting people down when you have a shot. If those things all show just a marked uptick under Trent's leadership over the next few weeks, and I think he has a real good look at retaining the job, and I would I would love it. I've always loved Trent as a as a player sure. here, as an assistant coach in other spots, and here, and I think he would be like his dad was a tremendous key coordinator. So these next few weeks are are big for Trent and for the future of the program in that respect. So when there's this talk of, you know, who should you profile, who should you go out and get, I think in a very real sense you might have your guy right now. And and I look forward to seeing what those results are going to be. But I'm not surprised not I'm surprised but not stunned that Jonathan made a move when he did. And that move he made on behalf of the overall future and health of the program. And I don't think in any wise it may be serendipitous that it deflects attention away from some other issues within the Beaver game on offense in particular, missed shots, missed opportunities, maybe maybe some thinking that you know he'd like to have back in terms of going for two to try to win it in that first overtime. All of those things serendipitously became less focused upon yes. when you fire your D coordinator. But that's just, you know, that's residual. That's not calculated. That's as I said, more serendipitous, not calculated on Jonathan's part to deflect away from other conversations. Right. I agree with you. And and not not that there would be, but if there were problems, you, you know, you've got to deal with one at a time. You can't fire everybody and be by yourself. You have to, you know, <laughs> right. you hit one thing at a time. Let's let's correct this and, and move forward and then look at everything else when the season is done. And I agree with you. No, um, I'm surprised, but not shocked. Surprised only in that it just doesn't happen very often. Right. We have never seen it happen in our time here, um, especially when when there were circumstances where the, the crowd was outside the gates with burning pitchforks screaming for it, and it didn't happen. Yeah. So to have it right. happen was a bit of a surprise, but not a shock as to where things were. I'd like mm-hmm. to know, Mike, if I'd like someone to do some kind of a – I don't know who could do it, but off-season or whatever, a breakdown a behind the curtain to tell us what are the responsibilities – so as the defensive coordinator, are they running through all of the stations and saying, hey, hey, how are your linebackers doing? You need to do this better. Or are they just sitting there on the <laughs> sideline waiting for all the position coaches to do their thing? Because, you know, then you start thinking, well, who do we need to do this? Is it a, is it a position like a head coach? Is it a position of authority where you are, um, you know, allocating responsibility or are you actually in the trenches with them? Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you got to wonder, well, things aren't changing. I, I like it. I look at the Washington State game and no changes in the second half and, and defensive backs that are 10 yards off the ball and Washington State just doing anything they wanted to do and no adjustments on that. 
Now, that's an in-game right. defensive no. coordinator's yeah. job to say, get up on that guy. Let's change it. Let's switch over to, to man-to-man or, or what. Mm-hmm. I, get, I get that part. But it's the, the, the off-season grind, the day-to-day grind, and the weekly coaching moves and game planning, I guess, is what really what they're responsible for and, and game execution as far as play calling. Sure. And, and, you know, I don't know how all programs function. You know, that's, that would be a good question to get from a, a former D coordinator when we have Nigel on, who's been a D coordinator, who's mm-hmm. been on a staff working for Mark Banker when Mark was a D coordinator here. I'm sure that every coach and program runs things a little bit differently in terms of what, you know, how, how staffs function. But most D coordinators, almost every D coordinator in the league has a position group that they're responsible with. So week to week, just in a day-to-day nuts and bolts world, Trent Bray is working in practice with the inside linebackers. Right, right. In scout team stuff. Every day. Tim Tim Tibisar, as the D coordinator, was working with the outside linebackers. They're together next to one another, near one another, along with defensive line coach Lundy Suanoa, Blue Adams, the secondary coach. They're together on the field in those practices within the same proximity all the time, and thus, I'm sure, in practice are working somewhat in cohesion and in staff meetings and film rooms. They're all together as a staff going over all that stuff and as a staff formulating game plans. The one thing, though, when game time occurs, and Tim Ewis and others would be more, much more informed as to how the chain of command works, mm-hmm. it is the D coordinator who is – Sending down the coverage, the call, the mm-hmm. blitz, the base, the personnel. Essentially, I mean, there's a chain of command. Tim can't call all of that out, so he's got you know certain things going on and people on the sideline that are working to 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 get the right personnel packages and calls in. But maybe it's possible that Trent Bray. This is where we might see something a little bit different come Saturday against Stanford. Some looks, yeah. some changing up of looks. Uh, maybe some different blitz packages, maybe some things that we haven't seen as much of. But I've got to say, Tim was trying. <laughs> Tim was trying a lot of different things. I mean, he he was blitzing from the safety, from the corners, the outside and inside linebackers. Ultimately, they're not getting enough production from the defensive line in terms of the pass rush. Uh, I think some D line players have have gotten better and and played better. And Lengi's doing a great job with that group, but they're going to have to improve their talent level there. And then I think just find a way to make the whole defense, you know, cohere better, work in better cohesion. And I think Trent might affect that by some different ideas we may see unfold Saturday against Stanford. And Johnny, I don't know where you want to go next with it. No. Stanford has me worried as can be for this reason. The Beavers have played them a number of times and Jim Wilson and I had a conversation about it. I'm sure Jim will elaborate on it in the walkthrough Saturday from the steps of the <clears throat> Gill Coliseum. Just when it looks like you have Stanford maybe in a vulnerable position playing Oregon State, they rally up and put together a great performance or they do something different than yeah. we expected. You know, I mean, there have been games where you thought, oh, man, you're finally going to get an offense that's more traditional and the Beavers can do a better job of stopping that. And out they come in a no-huddle quick, almost spread it out, air raid attack, mm-hmm. empty backfield, no tight ends. And I, would, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if Isaiah Sanders is running a bunch of triple option plays this week <laughs> at Reser yeah. out of the blue. Because if Tanner McKee can't go, 
and they've got Jack West and then a triple option guy in Sanders. And I, I think I think David Shaw, a very talented, astute, resourceful, bright coach, will put his players in a position that they've often been in against the Beavers when it looks like this is Oregon State's time. Stanford has enough talent, intelligence, personnel, and so on to do to throw a curveball at you. Yeah, and I kind and of expect that this weekend. That year, the, the game was at Stanford. They had a quarterback that was straight drop back. Never once did any kind of option that we remember. Yep. And they came out zone with a read. Tr- zone read option. Yep. And it was like, whoa, whoa, where did this yep. come from? Exactly. Oh, okay, you're right. Yep. You're right. And and all, all respect to them. Last question. My envelope game, five and four, three games left, two of them at home. Would you take it before the season? Yeah, if you, again, it's hard for us to do that now because we do know we do know how it's got how you've gotten to five and four, but yes, John. If back in late August when we were back on the air with the Joe Beaver Show, here take this now or leave it. Would you take being above five hundred? Still, as Nick Dashiell said, and I'll close with this: still being as Nick wrote in the firing of Tim Tebesar, that story embedded in it was his line: "The Beavers are still in the race for the Pac-12 North," yeah. which is true. And so, if you would have told me that in late August and said, here's the envelope as a position going into the last three games. Will you accept that envelope? I would have said yes to that. So that kind of gets to Dave's point in terms of the the level of achievement and success. The season is already met. We need to keep that in mind, but because we still can, I'm still going to go with Dasho. I'm not the one saying he wrote it. He wrote it. I didn't (laughs) say it. The Beavers comma, the Beavers, comma, who are still in the Pac-12 North race, comma. Now, we're sick of all that, right? I mean, I yeah. know sir, some people in Beaver Nation, shut up. I don't want to hear about being in the North. I just want to get to, I want to beat Stanford. I know, I know. But let's just, because we can, Yes. there aren't that many pieces that need to fall in place to win the North. No, no. You, you got to win. Now, the hardest ones, the hardest ones are probably your own business. You got to win your next two games to go into the last one. Yeah. But let's say you do, and Oregon beats Washington State, and Utah beats Oregon in Salt Lake City. You're That's playing it. for the North. Then the Pac-12 finale in Eugene is for the Pac-12 North. If those things that I just said line up. That's not that many. No, and Oregon beating Washington State and Utah beating Oregon is not a huge ask. No, both both not those teams both those teams would be favorites. Salt yeah. Lake City. Both both the teams you'd need to win would both probably be favorites in those games. Yeah, I think, yeah, unless yeah. Washington State's at Eugene. Now, and so guys, I feel stronger now. So I, I ta- you have talked me back into getting fired yes. up again. That's all I can <laughs> say. Right. I thought when you first started talking to me, I could barely. I felt like I was going yeah. trying to do a Marlon Brando from now you're back. Now I feel like let's go. Bring on your triple option, Isaiah Sanders. <laughs> let's go and let's win games and put ourselves in a position to not what I said, what Dashiell said, stay alive in the north. Go back to bed, Doc. I'll talk to you later. Okay, I'm going See to you, bed. Mike. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> See ya. We got him. We got him back. We did. Yeah. We, we we brought it out of doubled him his energy in that one energy, that one phone and now call. He's gonna collapse and take a four hour nap. Uh, honestly, I aspire wrong. to be that. He, I think right. both of us would would yeah. enjoy a four-hour nap, <laughs> especially you. Yeah, tomorrow maybe. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. We'll traveling, I'll sleep on that plane is what I'll do. And there's not much else to do in Iowa besides like no. watch basketball. And we so don't you play until Friday. 
So you could just nap all day on Thursday, too. All day Thursday. I'll go to practice and do all that, but all day Thursday, all day Wednesday, uh, Friday afternoon. Traveling with sports is nice. It really is. It is. There's a lot of downtime. There uh, is. And it's forced getaway. Otherwise, we'd be here stressing out about all the different things we have to do. And you get to go to a place you probably normally wouldn't go visit. So you get to you no. get to you get to see. So that's happened a couple times in yeah. my travels. In traveling with all the different sports with Oregon State, I've been to Gainesville, Florida twice. Mm-hmm. I never would have ever gone there ever. I've been there twice. And like I've been, specifically Gainesville? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, I would. And I've been to. I would go for a game. I think I, if I was, if, it, if, if the I opportunity the was the there, and I the opportunity was there. Yeah. But I would who go. has that? You say, yeah, one day I want to get to Gainesville for a game. Okay. That'll never happen. But I've been there twice. Another place I've never been to prior. I've been to twice and will never go back outside of sports. Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. For Kansas state, both mm-hmm. men's basketball and women's basketball. It's just, they call it the little apple. I've been there twice and I'll never go there again. But a beautiful place. I just, it's not anywhere I would ever go if not being in sports. Yeah. yeah like then, Kansas, it's like Iowa. I've driven through Iowa. I, yeah, I have driven through Iowa. It's I've just not much to, to see. I've been to Iowa City uh, for Iowa, mm-hmm. but I've never been to Ames. That'll be first. That'll be, yeah, that'll be interesting. So, and you, you think of other places like uh, where does Wyoming play? Laramie? I've Wyoming? Been to, I've been to Laramie tw- uh, three times mm-hmm. with Beaver Sports. Twice, actually. So that Two would, years ago, the last time I called a Beaver men's basketball game, actually, was a road game at Wyoming. And then the COVID year hit, and all the games were on television, so Mike was able to do them from home when there was conflict, because they were never playing at the same time. Yeah. And then here we are this year. So Now you're back on the road. Back on the road, looking forward to it. But I have the game tonight. Tonight at 7 o'clock, pregame show, 7.30 tip-off, Oregon State, Portland State. Let's get our last break in, and we'll come back and wrap it up here for the week on 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump's has the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. At Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis, we realized a long time ago we'll never be able to memorize all the plays in our playbook. We just have too many options. Over 36 fresh toppings for you to choose from, multiple crust options, gluten and dairy-free options, plus dine-in, take-out, and delivery to most of Corvallis, just to name a few. So we can't memorize all these plays, but with all these options, we've made Woodstock's Pizza Pizza for all. 
on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. Back on the Joe Beaver Show, wrapping it up for this November 9th uh, edition. T.J. Mathewson and John Warren. John Warren will be back on the mic in just a second. So, the Beavers and the Cardinal this weekend at... was kickoff at 2.30 on Pac-12 Network. A nice afternoon game for once. Just yes. not, not a very common, I guess, window for a game. Actually, it's not, is it? No, two th- usually it's I was a 9, 12, 4.30, 7.30, and then, I don't know. Depend- maybe that's if basing it off of West Coast and East Coast time zones. Beavers are favored by 12, according to Curtis, over Stanford. I, uh, I'm going to double-check that. I know Curtis those- wrote that to us, and he's been on all season. Uh, the over-under is 56. Reynolds says uh, Laramie is where John got the Wyoming welcome package. Absolutely. Reynolds who is our uh, resident wrestling guy, wrestled at Oregon State, great man. His family is in Wyoming, and they I got a welcoming package of all this Wyoming gear. It was great, and I do have that still, by the way, Reynold. Uh, Dave says, John, make sure that you go to Hickory Park Restaurant in Ames. You'll have a great time. My older brother lives in Ames still. Uh, Let us say, Grand Campus is very nice, too. Okay, if I get a chance, I'd love to go see the campus. Um, so Dave writes in on that one. Tim from Corvallis wants to know about that holding call. Absolutely. In fact, Jonathan was asked about holding calls. I played this, this, the soundbite this morning and he just said, we should have done it basically. Yeah. He, he had acknowledged it was holding. We shouldn't have done it. And there were too many holding calls and, and it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But, and he, you know, he talked about the angles of how they like to go zone outside and they were mm-hmm. and they were getting upfield which yeah. makes it really tricky yeah so anyway all right we're done for the week uh our thanks to ron callen mike parker you tj thank you you're going to hold the fort for other things here you've still got the the tailgate show it is one o'clock All set, please. here's the microphone is this thing on this is kejo corvallis everybody hear me on in five and qid 1240 joe radio